Hello and welcome to uh, the Dan Chronicles podcast. This is the audio companion to the Dan Chronicles newsletter that I send out every month. Uh, And you can find me online at danb.org. It's D-A-N-N-B.org. And this is November 2022. And yeah, with with all of that, let's just let's just get into it because this is a this is a big month in terms of news. Um, When I say big month, really. I mean, there were two stories that just captured my attention and I think a lot of other people's attention this month. Uh, and those two main stories, um, one of them I kind of go into in detail, the other one I kind of brush over. Uh, but the first one is Twitter and Elon Musk taking over the helm of Twitter and being absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, and the other one is Sam Blankenfield or SBF, whatever we call him. Um, and the craziness going on with the crypto exchange FTX with the downfall there. Um, so yeah, those are two stories that seemed to be breaking every single day. Like something new was happening every day that materially either changed the story or colored the story in a different way. And they were just kind of fun to follow along. Um, But one of the things I learned as I was doing this newsletter is that just because a story is kind of fun to follow along doesn't mean it's necessarily fun to write about. Uh, So this newsletter was kind of hard to write, and I I touch on that a little bit in my intro, Um, particularly the Twitter section. I feel like I wrote and rewrote that several times this month uh, because often I'll, I'll write individual sections throughout the month as it's going. I don't just like sit down and write it all in one fell swoop. Uh, And so I wrote that section and then something new happened and I was like, okay, well, let me take a different angle slightly and then I rewrote it and then something else would happen and so on and so forth. So I just kind of wrote and rewrote that several times. Um, And so this newsletter kind of felt like a struggle to put together, Uh, but it's here and I finished majority of it the weekend before it's going out right now it's sunday um and yeah that's just my experience this month and so with that little intro going on let's just jump into the stories now it's time for the stories so the first story i touch on this month like i said before is twitter uh and if you haven't been following along basically Elon Musk, who I think we all know, or most of us know, uh, purchased Twitter for an inflated value. Uh, It was basically him being like, I could do this better than anybody else, and then making claims online, on Twitter, pretty much, uh, that he couldn't back out of, that held up in court and kind of forced his hand to buy it. And so now that he bought it, He's gone in there and and instituted a ton of changes and tried a bunch of different things. And the moral of the story is there are very few people working at Twitter anymore. He kind of fired half of them um, and then allowed another huge batch to just resign. Uh, And so it's him and and a few hundred people left out of what was originally like 4,000 or so. Um, And... Yeah, there's a lot of different takes on this story. There's a lot of Elon worship, which I think happens 
a lot in our society. And then a lot of people that are being harsh on every single move that he makes, which I also think is uh, an imbalance of position. So yeah, I guess let me dive into it a little bit in terms of my thoughts there. Um, And one of the things that I think is super important um, with Elon Musk and with any tech leader is just to remind yourself that at the end of the day, this is a person um, and and a human, uh, meaning that like they are fallible. Um, they're not necessarily like insanely smart in such that every single move that they're making is 40 chess that we're just too stupid to understand it. Um, and I think once you really kind of get that perspective, and I think that perspective is one that's earned as you kind of dig deeper into this story and kind of read uh, supporting stuff uh, going on, you kind of uh, get a new perspective on his actions, or at least I did. Uh, And I link in this article to an interview with Professor Scott Galloway, who I think has the best take out of all of this. Uh, And basically, his hypothesis is that we're seeing the unwinding not of a company, but of a person, that person being Musk. And really what it is, and and what I just touched on uh, previously, is that we as a society uh, are becoming wealthier, we're we're more educated. A lot of us are uh, leaving things like religion behind, whereas for a vast part of history, religion and this belief in a higher being was just ingrained into our society. And as we as a society are moving away from religion, whether that's good or bad is is moot, um, we're kind of, we put tech figures into that role of higher being, whether it's Steve Jobs, uh, now I think it's Elon Musk, we kind of view them as these all-powerful beings. And what that really allows us to do is forgive these just absolute horrible things they do. Uh, but like I said, we think they're playing some form of game like 40 chess that we're just not privy to. Uh, and as as a result, they can do these just horrible things and, and make these bad decisions. And people give them not only the benefit of the doubt, but claiming that they are enlightened in some way that we just couldn't even begin to understand. Uh, and so Elon Musk took the helm of Twitter And before even saying a word to anybody, there wasn't some sort of all-hands meeting, Um, he just let half of the people go. Uh, And he didn't come on a call to to apologize or or share some greater vision or or anything. And it's it's in stark contrast to, say, Mark Zuckerberg, who has his problems. I don't really like Mark Zuckerberg, but when he laid off thousands of of employees, he published this really great, I thought, letter kind of explaining his thinking, taking ownership of the problem, presenting this larger vision, which I think is important just to kind of like share your vision and inspire people and let people that were let go know that their time was valued and their hard work that they no doubt put in was valued. And and there was none of that. There was none of it even after these people left to kind of talk to the remaining people until several days later. Um, and even then, Elon Musk hasn't really shared a larger vision besides everybody's going to pay $8 for verified. Um, and that's about the extent of it, which is kind of also in stark contrast to what he's done with his other companies like Tesla. He published kind of like a five-year vision to inspire people. And 
for whatever reason, he's just not really doing any of that. And so Twitter employees throughout this entire process have just been left in the lurch, basically being like, you can stay on, you can go, quote, hardcore uh, and trust that there is a vision, that Elon Musk has a vision, even though nothing has been presented, or you can take this three-month severance and leave. Uh, and I, I do respect Elon for communicating clearly his expectations that people come back to the office. I think as a boss, that's completely reasonable. Um, and if you are okay with that, then you can go into the office. And if you're not okay with that, you have a generous parachute, a, a severance package um, to communicate that he's going to go quote-unquote hardcore. If you're the type of engineer or type of employee that enjoys that and really has the ambition and wants to take advantage of that, great. Uh, and if you're not, if that scares you, then again, there's a generous package. All of those things are decent uh, management decisions. Uh, but at the end of the day, this has just been a really callow uh, process um, brought on by Elon Musk. And it's been kind of a, I wouldn't say a nightmare to watch, but watching it from the outside is sort of unbelievable that somebody is going in, um, somebody that like has had as many accomplishments as he has and is a singular being. Like he has accomplished things that other humans couldn't even dream to accomplish. And I give him credit for that. But in terms of being a manager and being a boss, he's just failing in a spectacular sense, I think. Uh, and as a result, it's one of those like get the popcorn and watch it and be really happy that he is not my boss. Um and one of the other things, too, to keep in perspective is is he was going into Twitter with a list of grievances, a list of problems that he wanted to solve, uh, one of them being bots, the other one being content moderation. Um, and those are the two of his big ones and a verification going along with bots. Um, and a lot of these problems that he had with the platform are... Problems that he himself experienced very validly, um, but aren't necessarily like the global problems that are plaguing Twitter when you take a zoomed out view and you see it as like an international product and a tool for uh, democracy and all these other kind of things. But like he's a famous person that that has a lot of followers on Twitter. So, of course, a lot of his replies are going to be bots. And so he sees bots as being the big problem. Uh, also, as somebody in the limelight, he has a lot of problem with journalists who might necessarily who might not necessarily do all of their due diligence and, and put out articles that aren't necessarily the full truth, which, again, is a problem. But these are problems of Elon Musk on Twitter. And that's kind of what he's going into and not really looking at any of the larger problems that the company faces. Um, and one of the things that I link in the newsletter that I think is uh, a really eloquent way to get at the the meat of some of the content modification problems that they have is there's this article called, Hey, Elon, let me help you speed run the content moderate moderation learning curve. Uh, and what it does is it talks about all social media platforms that want to be a bastion for free speech and the journey that they sort of take with content moderation. And let me pull it up right now. Uh, cause basically like, okay, we're going to be free speech. We're going to be everything. Uh, we're going to allow everything. Like people can say whatever they want. Uh, and then it starts with, okay, people are posting child sexual exploitation abuse images. Like, what do we do? Well, it's like, well, it's like okay, well, of course we can't have that. So we'll, we'll have free speech except for child porn. Um, and then you're like, okay, 
we have all of this stuff, um, but now we have all of these DMCA takedowns from Hollywood and all the people that are illegally sharing sharing pirated content. What do we do? It's like, okay, well, we'll take those down. Um, and then it's like, okay, there's harassment and abuse and people are leaving the site because of it. You're like, you're using, losing people, you're losing advertisers. You're like, okay, well, certain ones that violate a certain code, we got to take down and so on and so forth. And it keeps going with all of these different levels until you get to a place that is largely where Twitter was before Musk's takeover. Um, and this is a journey that all social media sites take from like, gab to parlor to getter to truth social trump's truth social like they all kind of have these realizations and we've seen them in real time as these new ones launch um so i'm not really sure where we'll get to with twitter um but i think the verification journey is is indicative of what we'll see in the future because he allowed anybody to pay for verification and then everybody just paid eight bucks and then pretended to be other famous people or companies and you had a lot of abuse of the system and and so they took it away uh and uh momentarily replaced it with like an official badge which again has is the same function as the old verified badge had uh and basically, at the end of the day, what it feels like is for verification, he just wants to punish journalists uh, because he sees them as being liars. Um, and so, again, it's just all problems that Elon Musk personally has had with the platform rather than the zoomed out larger view. Uh, and that's sort of my whole take with this. I don't really want to talk about this much more. Um, the big news, uh, what was it, last night was that he let Trump back on the platform, but it Remains to be seen whether Trump is actually going to come back. That's the latest news. But this has just been a breaking story over and over and over again this entire month. And I'm sure we're going to have more and more news coming here. Um, but as of Sunday, November 20th, that's where my thoughts on this whole thing is. Um, and screw Elon Musk because he's being a big asshole about all of this. So speaking of people being assholes... <laughs> Um, the next story is sort of a wild one that kind of surprised me. Um, so I've been reading Helgoland, which is a book by Carlo Rovielli about quantum mechanics, quantum theory, and, and how it all got started. Uh, this is my second book by Rovielli, the first being The Order of Time, which I enjoyed immensely. I really enjoyed that book. I want to know more about quantum mechanics and quantum theory, so I picked up this second one. Um, and one of the major cast of characters in this whole quantum theory world is Schrodinger. Uh, and that name might sound familiar. It has name recognition, uh, pretty much household name recognition. Uh, you probably know him from Schrodinger's cat, which is the famous thought experiment where there is a cat in a box that has a device that's quantumly entangled uh, so that if there's one state it will release a poison. If there's another state, it will not release a poison. Uh, and this poison with the cat in the box will kill the cat. Um, and thus, with quantum theory and quantum mechanics, what it says is that this cat is both alive and dead at the same time until you open the box. And so a lot of us learned about this thought of experiment in school. A lot of the, he had a lot of uh, contributions to the space in terms of thought experiments in terms of math. Uh, he's a he's a major player. Uh, and one of the things I learned about Schrodinger because of this book was that he's a textbook pedophile. Um, yeah, like no joke. He liked younger age girls. He kept a journal 
of his conquests, very much Lolita-like. Um, he got his students pregnant. He had a wife and also a mistress that he lived with, which was a lifestyle that got him kicked out of several countries. He, because they just, like, he was, he was that guy. He was the guy that would, uh, groom young underage girls and very predatory in nature. And, that was sort of shocking for me to learn. Um, and what, what it made me think about is uh, when it comes to art and finding these people that are bad actors, you really have the question about, can you separate the art from the artist? Uh, and I know for me, um, you can't really separate those two. Uh, and so a lot of these people that, as I've learned about them, as things have been revealed about them, um, I just can't enjoy any of their work in the same way that I can before. And so I just don't listen to the music. I don't watch movies. You know, I just, I can't, as it's come to light, all the horrible actions that people have taken. Um, you can't really separate the artist, the art from the artist for me. Um, but when it comes to physics and science, it's a much more complicated question uh, just because a lot of his discoveries and his contributions are foundational and within the world of quantum mechanics that builds off of previous discoveries and and the math that is that exists and people discover um, that stuff is there and you can't really get around it uh, and so I was sort of shocked to learn that this household name that I had heard about throughout most of my schooling and and uh, post-schooling education was just this horrible predatory person. Uh, and I don't really know how to respond to that or, or how to answer that. Uh, I can see, I guess, why they don't teach it because it's a distraction from the the literal science, the like hard math behind a lot of this stuff. Um which works and, and it is part of our world. Uh, but at the same time, I, I sort of felt like I should have known. It, it was something that I feel like it was a piece of information that for me, I felt was important to know so that when I read about him and his contributions, I had this context, even though the context doesn't change any of the underlying math or logic. Uh, and so I just sort of wanted to share that because um, it's a tough thing to grapple with and and there aren't any easy answers. I'm curious if this is something that other people knew, maybe it was just common knowledge and I didn't know about it, or, or if you're just learning about it, sort of what your take on it is, um, because it's a complicated thing because you can't just throw out uh, a lot of his discoveries because they are part of the world that exists and the discoveries that have been made. But he's just this really horrible, terrible person um, that especially in current society with our current frame for humans and behavior and all this sort of stuff is just unacceptable. Uh, and yeah, again, I don't know what the answer is. I wanted to share it here just because I thought it was an interesting piece of information that informs a topic in an interesting way, even though I don't really have the tools to fully process it or even to know what fully processing it means. So Schrodinger was a textbook pedophile. There, you have it. The next section I dive into FTX, the crypto exchange that was 
run by Sam Blankenfield, along with Almeida Research, which was kind of his investment arm uh, that were tied together a lot more closely than I think people realized. And SBF sort of took funds from one to bail out another. And then there was some drama that caused people to be spooked and they tried to withdraw their funds and the entire thing came toppling down. Um, And again, this has been a crazy story to kind of follow throughout the month. But as I was sitting down to write my newsletter, I realized I don't really want to talk about it. And as I'm talking about it right now, I'm just kind of bored. Like it's boring. Um, A lot of people lost a lot of money. He's uh, again, a horrible person. I guess that's the theme of this newsletter is talking about horrible people. Um, so I shared a couple of links. If you have been following this story, like me, um, there's a couple of links in the newsletter. Uh, one is a summary by Milky Eggs that I thought was really interesting, um, particularly the part that kind of dove into potential amphetamine and other drug abuse among staff and executives. Um, but I also link to Scott Alexander from Astral Star Codex that kind of um, tamps down on some of those theories around drug use. Uh, so I think that if you are following the stories, those were kind of obscure articles that I think are worth your time that I linked to. Um, but if you're not start following the story, great. You don't need to. Don't don't really get into it. There's especially if you're not impacted by any of this, feel free to ignore. Um, and in exchange, what you can do is is do a Powerball simulator. There was a huge Powerball jackpot that happened this past month. Somebody created a website where you can throw in fake money and then run a simulation. It'll tell you every time you hit the number and you can see how much you'd actually win. Um, and it's not really that much. So don't really, you shouldn't play the actual Powerball. All right. The next thing I touch on is my new favorite toy. Uh, it's called the MiU Mini and it's this little tiny pocket-sized retro gaming device. Uh, And basically what it allows you to do is emulate all of your favorite retro consoles from arcade to Atari to Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, um, all the way up to PlayStation 1, if you can believe that. Uh, And with a little memory card of like 64 gigabytes, you can pretty much put every game ever made. Uh, Maybe not every game for PlayStation, but all the good ones. And then every game from every other system. Uh, And it's a really cool, really fun device. Um, I've had a few retro gaming consoles throughout the past, and this is definitely my favorite by far. And I've been playing a ton of games this past month. Um, Super Mario World, which of course, just a classic. Um, But really, there was one that I played in high school that I had very fond memories of. It's called WarioWare Inc. That's a bunch of little mini games. And I've just been having a blast going back and playing that one. Uh, And I plan to pick up Sword of Mana soon too because that was one that i played in high school and it was the very first rpg that i ever played all the way through like i got to the end um because i was not a big gamer i didn't really play many games since then um but yeah i'm really looking forward to playing with those uh and i made a custom boot logo which is linked in the newsletter uh which i think is really funny it's a picture of me as a boot logo so check out that newsletter and click that link if you want to actually see what i'm talking about And the very last thing I touch on in the newsletter is a bit of good news, because I wanted to end with some optimism after such a heavy kind of newsletter. Um, And that's an article from the New York Times that talks about global warming and how the worst predictions that we had, which were as early as like five years ago, um, it seems like it won't be quite that bad. At least that's what the scientists are currently saying. Um, Our predictions right now, I think what they were predicting before was four degrees of temperature rise. And at that point, 
there's risk of humanity like dying out like it, it was apocalyptic um now they're looking at two which is going to drastically change the landscape but isn't quite as apocalyptic for humanity uh and so that's a bit of good news um and it's a long article on the new york times um it's linked as a gift article so even if you don't have a new york times account you can click the link in my newsletter and read the full article for free which i think is ultimately good and so yeah ending with a bit of good news this month and with that we come to the end of the newsletter Uh, If you like this, definitely sign up for my newsletter at danb.org. And with all of that, I'll see you guys next month. Bye.